Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 98 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Thursday, April 16th, 2020. Can you feel it? Get your heartbeat going. It's the greatest sound of the world. LSU Tigers are going to war. No, it's not quite that. We're a week away from the draft. We don't have Coach O telling us to buckle up the chin straps, which, by the way, is a very cool thing. If you're if you've never seen LSU before they take the field, just watch some YouTube. It's pretty cool. No, we are a week away from the NFL draft. At least I hope so. Apparently, Jay Glazer has some sort of announcement about football tonight that will air after this show is recorded. So hopefully we still have a draft. I don't know. Things are weird. I can't take another couple of weeks of this though. I'm not sleeping. The schedule is bearish. It's rough. And I'm tired of talking about these guys, to be honest. But we forge ahead. Today's show, linebackers and secondary players. This is show 98. We've got show 99 on Monday, which is our final mock draft Monday before the draft, provided things don't change. The first half of that show is going to be the listener mock. The first round of the listener mock. Because you heathens in the Scotia Slack channel have decided to... Do a full round seven, full seven round mock draft. So I've got that to do now too. So we're going to be rolling out the first round of that on Monday's show. I will be making the pick at one. No, I'm not trading out. Yes, it is Joe Burrow. What happens after that though? It's not going to be up to me. It's going to be up to everybody else. So you tune in for that as well as listener mocks in the second half of that show. And then next week we have show 100, which is on draft day. Maybe I'll just play the, the soundtrack from the movie draft day. How about that? But before we dive in, your usual reminders at the outset, please do follow along the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work, touchdownwire.com or touchdownwire.usatoday.com to be more accurate. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio, not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation. And of course, Pat's Pulpit, where this show airs. Let's get into linebackers first, and how I'm going to do this is talk about a couple of the guys and then really sort of hone in on some Patriots-type players. I'm not going to run through like top 11s because we've got basically three different positions to get to, and you guys don't want a three-hour show. I know. You don't. I see the numbers. We'll, We'll start with linebackers. The guy at the top that... I don't think he's going to be there when the Patriots pick at 23. Isaiah Simmons. The guy's legit. I've seen discussions on Twitter. Show me like his best game. I'm not seeing it. Just turn on anything. Like Turn on anything. Watch him glide in the slot. Watch him attack Joe Burrow on the first snap of the national championship game and flush Joe Burrow all over the place. Of course, what does Burrow do but throw an absolute rope 40 yards downfield to Thaddeus Moss? But he was running for his life from Isaiah Simmons. I think the only weakness with Isaiah Simmons is a lack of creativity in his eventual NFL defensive coordinator. Like, if you want to say you are now my free starting free safety, that is it, that is what you do, I think you're going to be in trouble. He's not a guy you pigeonhole. He's a guy you just let play. So Isaiah Simmons is one. At two for me, it's Patrick Queen. I, I think... Studying him, and again, very young, 
just has basically less than a full season of starting experience. I see almost everything you want to see from a linebacker coming out of college. I see the ability to stay on the field on third downs, to play pattern match coverage, to play man coverage, to diagnose things that are happening. He's got the body of a safety, but he's somebody that can be that run stuffer between the tackles. I think he's better in the run game than you might expect for somebody of his size. When I watch him on film, I see somebody that can play downhill but can also be a traditional linebacker. You know, watching I'm I'm looking through my notes right now, but you know, you're seeing him play sideline to sideline. You're seeing him chase down he chased down Jalen Waddle on a jet sweep early in that game against Alabama. That's speed. I mean, Jalen Waddle's a first round wide receiver next year. He chases him down. I think he's perhaps at his best. Like, say, drop it into a Tampa 2 middle of the field between the safeties. Sort of that Derek Brooks type of player. I'm a huge fan of his. And in the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, he was my pick at 23. That many of you chimed in on. I'm a fan of Queen. If they pick him at 23, I'm excited. Linebacker 3 for me is where I really sort of diverge from consensus. And that's okay. The guy for me is Troy Dye. And I know a lot of people aren't fans of his. Interestingly enough, Pro Football Focus is. You know, looking at their draft guide, it's not that he's one of their, you know, it's not that he's their top linebacker, but in their final sort of pre-draft draft guide, you know, they have Troy Guy as linebacker five. And that's behind Zach Bond, who I consider an edge. So really, they've got him at four. I've got him at three. And the big knock on Troy Dye is that he can't play between the tackles. He's not a traditional linebacker. I say pish posh to that. I'm going to do more film work. And what I mean by that is a film piece on him to highlight that he can play between the tackles. I don't know if I'm going to get that done this week or early next, but this guy can play. He was one of my favorite people to watch. Like, as, as I talked about yesterday's show, Nick Harris, the Washington Center, was one of my favorite people to watch. Then you drop him into this list as well. He is so patient with his feet. Like other linebackers in this class, they see something, they attack it immediately. That gets him sucked in on play action. He's a veteran. He's been basically a starter since he walked onto campus. Doesn't get sucked in at all. Doesn't bite on play action. So patient. But on those rare occasions when he does and has to recover, watch his game against Washington. I mean, there were so many put-the-pen-down moments with him, but he had a play where he gets sucked in on a run fake. They go play action. He's got a retreat. He's got Hunter Bryant on a crossing route. He beats him to the catch point, rakes up through the pocket like a cornerback, breaks up the throw. Doing it with a massive cast on his hand. I absolutely love this kid. And I've seen people have him like ranked 125 in this class. I'm overjoyed if they draft him on day two. Overjoyed. I absolutely love Troy Dye. I will bang the table for him. Huge fan of his. After Troy Dye, well, for me, the next linebacker is Kenneth Murray. I think the issue with him, and these two things can be true. Kenneth Murray can be linebacker number four in this class, or some people might have him higher, but he also might be one of the riskiest picks in this class because he is a scheme-dependent linebacker. Now, in a piece that went up 
on Touchdown Wire on Wednesday. I wrote the comparisons that matter, Silver Screen Edition, and I comped some of these draft guys to football players in film. And I comped Kenneth Murray to Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy. Because I think if you just let him attack, he'll be fine. If you watch what Oklahoma asked of him, they let him run free. They let him roam. They let him blitz. They didn't ask a ton from him from a processing standpoint. And he's great in that role. But I think if you ask him to be a middle linebacker in a complex pattern match-based coverage defense, you're, in a sense, putting the training wheels back on. And you're hamstringing him. Just let him wreck worlds and you'll be fine. If you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. Linebacker five for me is Willie Gay. Now, he does have some red flags in sort of the character realm. But I think some of the things that he does, he does extremely well. Against the run, really solid, good nose for the football, could fight through traffic in front of him, still put his face mask on the ball carrier, fits in the running games, are good, has good vision to identify threats in the passing game, can keep one eye on the quarterback, the other on the nearest threat in zone coverage, gets into zones pretty fluid, much better than Murray, I think. He's got the character issues, but I think if you're a team that doesn't get, say, a Patrick Queen in this draft... I think you're happy rolling the dice on Willie Gay. Next, Akeem Davis-Gaither. So much fun to watch. He's one of those overhang-type players. We're going to have a couple more of these in this draft class. But he's my favorite of that sort of group that plays really more in space. I guess if you say Isaiah Simmons, and he's my, I guess, my second favorite of that group. But he's more like a slot corner. But he can play down in the box. He's one of the best guys at sort of jamming people in space. Quick quick trigger when he sees stuff happen in front of him and comes downhill in a response. I love his jams in space. He's somebody that evades rather than takes on blockers. But I highlight two plays from his game against South Carolina. The first of which he's scraping sort of parallel to the line of scrimmage to make a tackle on an inside run. And he uses sort of a jump stop move to avoid two blockers, gets around them, makes the tackle. Next play, comes down into the blocks against a sort of tackle, H-back pull design. And he bends the edge around around those two guys, gets good ankle flex, sort of runs the arc like an edge defender, corners, and makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage for a loss on the play. Absolutely love him. I think... Some people might say he's a day-two guy, too. Huge fan of his. Jordan Brooks next, a Texas Tech linebacker. Loved what I saw from him. I comped him to Alvin Mack from the program. You know, I think he's a downhill throwback kind of linebacker with experience and explosiveness when attacking the line of scrimmage. He was a ton of fun to watch. Can get sideline to sideline. Showed some great athleticism with the combine as well, especially straight line stuff. Change of direction is a bit lacking. I think he might struggle on option routes and juke routes and angle routes like that, but he'll run seams with a tight end, but he'll explode downhill against the run. Then there's a guy that a lot of people think is sort of the patriot of this class, and that's Malik Harrison. And it might make sense when you see that I compared him to Dante Hightower. I think he's your two-down linebacker that... When it comes to third downs, because of what he does on first and second down, you probably leave him on the field, but you might be more comfortable using him as a pass rusher than somebody that's going to play man coverage on a tight end or a running back out of the backfield. 
Next one is another one of those overhand players, Cameron Brown from Penn State. Not getting a lot of love. I know I'm higher on him than everybody else, but he's a long, rangy, outside linebacker type of player with the length and the size to lock down tight ends. Evades blockers well when given the green light to blitz. Good awareness in space. Handles man and zone coverage responsibilities extremely well. Against the run, I think he's solid. More than willing to come down, stick his nose into traffic. Willing to take on blockers at the point of attack. He can stack and shed pretty good for a guy of his size. But I, I love the land, the 6'5". He's got a tremendous wingspan. Huge fan of his potential. Linebacker number 10 for me, Logan Wilson. Another enjoyable guy to watch. Veteran player, starter from the second he set foot on campus. In all these like top 11 you know, rankings pieces that I'm doing, one of the things that we have is the stat to know. Wilson played 3,618 career snaps at Wyoming. Those are some Cal Ripken-type numbers in today's college football landscape. Does his best work down the line of scrimmage against the run. But I think he's another patient guy as well, similar to Die. These experienced linebackers, they're not going to overreact to things. They've seen it all from a defensive standpoint. And so if you show him something like, you know, dual bubbles, he's going to stay patient and see where you go with the football. He's not going to commit. And that's exactly the kind of play I highlighted in the write up on him. San Diego State shows you dual screens, one to each side, try to get the linebacker to commit before throwing off of it. He just stays there and waits. Quarterback has to commit. He throws the bubble to Wilson's right. Wilson reads it, explodes downhill, and makes the stop for a tackle for a loss. Rounding it out, Davon Taylor, an interesting story. Growing up, his mother was a member of the Seventh-day Seventh Day Adventist Church. Saturday is a day of observation, so he played in one high school game. Most of the time, games would start. You can't be engaged in activities after sundown, starting Friday night. So he would go home. His team would play. He played one game his senior year when the sun set at 8.30 at night in the season opener, so he was able to play. He went the junior college route, got an offer from from Colorado, which he accepted. He's been there for two years. He's been a starter ever since in their overhand role. He's extremely raw, but runs a 4.49.40 with a 35-inch vertical and a 4.26 20-yard shuttle. He needs to learn a ton, but those numbers will get him to stick on special teams. And beyond that, who knows? So those are my linebackers. Again, there are some other guys that I miss, but those are some of the guys that I really like. And I think a lot of these later guys might be fits in New England. I mean, I think Malik Harrison is obviously a fit in New England. I would love Troy Dye. I would love Patrick Queen. Like I love those guys as well, Jordan Brooks. I'd expect them to address linebacker, and I would be very happy if they picked any of these guys at some point during the draft. So that's a look at linebackers. Up next, we're going to talk some corners and some safeties. That is ahead on episode 98 of the SCO Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 98 of the SCO Show. And we're going to talk secondary. We're going to do it a little differently um, because, frankly, I could talk about like the top 11 corners, and I don't think the Patriots are really going to spend a pick on one of the guys near the top. I mean, you look at... Their depth at the cornerback position it isn't perfect, but I think they're, you know, between Stephon Gilmore, between Juwan Williams, who they drafted early last year, when you look at the fact that they brought back Jason McCourty, you know, th- this is a position where I think depth is more than need than somebody they're going to get that's going to be plug and play. You know, maybe they want 
you know, somebody to push J.C. Jackson a bit. You want an option perhaps behind Jonathan Jones. But I, th- I think deeper into the draft, day two, late day two, maybe day three, might be where you start seeing a corner. I think one guy to keep in mind is Damon Arnett off the top from Ohio State. Obviously, Jeffrey Okuda is getting the bulk of the attention here. But I think you might want to think about the other Ohio State corner. Now, o- Okuda is great. And this sort of late buzz that C.J. Henderson might be the top corner in the draft, I think maybe not so sure about that. Yeah, I sort of put that in the pre-draft smoke, no fire kind of category. But back to Arnett, I think he's legit. Three-year starter, solid as it gets, took a big step forward last year, a lot of passer rating of just 60.6. Good size, good traits. You know, you might say he's a bit more average athletically. His 40 wasn't great. But he's somebody that moves very well. Great at the catch point. Did a bunch of different things sort of coverage-wise from man to press to catch man to pattern match to zone. I think he's somebody Belichick would really like, the versatility of. And the fact that in this cornerback group, you might get him in the third round. I think that makes him very enticing. So Damon Arnett is a player to keep in mind at the cornerback spot. Another name to keep in mind, it might be more of a day two type pick, but it seems like he's fallen due to his combine, is Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. He's somebody that I think is an all-around talent. He's a bit thin. And at his weight, he comes into the combine weighing 188, and he runs... A 4.64. Now, I know he posted his 4.38 virtual pro day. I'm not buying into that too much. What I am buying into, patient and press. We know the Patriots love playing press, press coverage. He's been great at the catch point. Plays both man and zone. Doesn't have a ton of losses. One of the better press corners in this draft. I think he's legit. And now, I know they don't have a second-round pick. A lot of mocks have him coming off the board in the second. I'd be comfortable in the right system drafting him in the first. I've, I've put him in the first in a couple of different mocks. And so if he's available sometime in the third round, I think he'd be a great pit, pick for New England. I think he'd be a great fit. An interesting player to me in this draft is Trayvon Diggs. He's getting that sort of man press coverage bucket. A lot of people think he's limited schematically. Any press zone team, any press man team should love him. Other players might not like him, but I think he's a huge ideal fit for what the Patriots do defensively. I don't know if he'd be the if New England would be in a position to draft him. He might be on the board at 23, though. I think 23, they have too many other needs. But if they do happen to, say, trade back, let's say hypothetically they get Indy's pick at 34 and 44 somehow, I think at 44, if he's there, it's hard to pass up that kind of value given the scheme fit. But again, You're probably thinking more day three guys, so it's probably not a situation where you'd get him, but I think he is a good scheme fit for what New England does. A guy I think that might be in sort of their range is Javelin Guidry. Now, he's a blazer. Obviously, look, you come to Indianapolis and you lay a 4-2-9 on the track. That's going to help you. But he's long. He's just 5'9", but 31 and a quarter inch arms, so he's got the length to make up for the lack of height. I think he's somebody that with that size, you could even look at playing on the outside, 
But at a bare minimum, a slot corner type of guy, he would need to learn a little bit. He got roasted by Devin DuVernay in their bowl game, so you wonder about him playing in the slot. But I think this is the thing that sticks in my mind when I read some profiles on him, particularly the pro football focused draft guide. Teams that play matchups with their cornerback should covet Gidry's skill set as he can ride with pure deep threats all day. Knowing you're going to see Tyreek Hill. Knowing you're going to see Hollywood Brown. I mean, this guy could be, we're in a realm now with the Patriots where we used to think, oh, you have to draft somebody that can cover Travis Kelsey, right? Now you've got to cover Tyreek Hill. You've got to cover Hollywood Brown and some of the other speed guys that you're going to face. This could be that type of player that for a team that likes to play matchups with their corners, like the Patriots, he makes a great deal of sense. Another guy to watch sort of in the later rounds, Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh. Loved him down at the Senior Bowl. Chippy, feisty press coverage corner. His ability to play press is great. His athletic ability is a bit more of a question mark. You're seeing somebody that, you know, when he goes to the combine, 4-5-7-40, not great, and doing it at 187 pounds. I mean, you look at his, his testing, right? 4.27 20-yard shuttle, 43rd percentile, 4 41st percentile. 7.073 cone, 38th percentile. Not the athletic profile you're expecting from a top flight corner, particularly one like the Patriots where they value the three cone. But I think film-wise, he checks boxes. And when you're assuming that he's going to be on the board, say, in the 6th, 7th round, I like what I see on film, which is a, a feisty press coverage corner that also played a lot of man, cover three, like single high coverage schemes, that's stuff that the Patriots do. Also, solid against the run. And you sort of bet on, if you want to bet on film, which, let's face it, in this draft, teams are going to have to do, he's a guy you might bet on. Another guy I think sort of fits what the Patriots do with their corners is John Reed from Penn State. He's a player that I liked watching on film a lot. I think he's a very versatile corner, similar to the discussion we were just having if with Gidry, for example, if you're a team that plays matchups, he's somebody that you can play matchups with. The other thing about Reed, he's brilliant, like legit brilliant. Majored in data sciences at Penn State, participated in a research project with Penn State's Microsystem Design Lab. The research involved convulsional neural networks, which broadly involves teaching computers how to learn as humans, input loads of data, then write code to interpret that data and track patterns. I can barely say that. But on the field, on the football field, patient, veteran, over 500 snaps as a freshman back in 2015. He's been playing as a starter ever since. 97-man coverage snaps, but was outstanding in those. Terrific at leverage. Went sub 4-5 at the combine. Now he's older, he's 24. But veteran, heady, smart type guy. I think he screams Belichick defensive back. We only got two more corners to mention, and you know who one of them is. The first one, though, this kid is fun, and that's a Meek Robertson, the kid from Louisiana Tech. Plays like he's listed at five nine. Plays like he's six four. Wants to fight you from the jump. Pro Football Focus writes about him. He's a junkyard dog who's willing to mix it up with anyone that lines across from him, and it's true. If he was bigger or faster. We'd be talking about him with Jeffrey Okuda in the same category. But he's not 
that big. He's undersized. Don't really have a 40 on him. But short area quickness is a box that he checks on film. The tenacity is a box that he checks on film. I think he's a slot-type guy. But if you're looking at the Patriots right now, maybe you're looking for a slot-type guy. In which case, he could be that player. I mean, you've got Jonathan Jones, sure, that you've used in the slot. But maybe you want somebody behind him just in case. He could be that player. And of course, finally, the last cornerback we're going to talk about. The guy you can probably pencil in to pick 212, or at least we have in our mocks. Reggie Robinson from Tulsa. Press coverage type corner. Needs to clean up the technique a bit. Can get up. Can get vertical. Can sky it a bit. Transition in his hips is great as he moves and changes direction. He's got some good length to him. I think if he cleans up the technique a bit, he could be a great corner. So that's a look at the corners. Let's talk safeties here for a minute. And I think safety is potentially in the mix at 23. I think the guys that I would be comfortable with them taking at 23, Xavier McKinney, Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield. Like those are the three I'd be the most comfortable with taking at 23. As we get into the second round, if they trade back, Duggar and Jeremy Chin, I think are the names to watch there. I think McKinney seems to be the cleanest fit. Just because he's so versatile, you know what you're getting. A safety from Nick Saban's system, battle-tested, snaps all over the place. Somebody that you can see in the slot, in the box, at free safety. You know how Belichick likes to use his safeties. That's what he does. Ashton Davis might be more of your Devin McCourty insurance, right? He's You're probably the best single high safety in this class. And he's somebody that I think you're looking at him to be your cover one, cover three, middle of the field, free safety, read the quarterback's eyes, make a break on the football. That's what he does. And he does it extremely well. You're looking at the fact that he has true sideline to sideline range for the safety position. Pro Football Focus of him writes, Davis has routinely shown He is one of the top single high safeties in this class. His two-year PFF grade at free safety is among the 10 best in the FBS. At that alignment, he has combined to have more interceptions and forced incompletions than catches allowed. Last year, 409 snaps at that free safety spot. And if you think about the fact that so many throws are made against single high coverage up the seams, that's where he's excelled. He won't give you much down in the box against the run, but he can lay a hit on people up the seams. And I'd be okay with him at 23. Similarly, in addition to Davis, Antoine Winfield. And I know he has a bit of a injury history that is a question mark. But when Doug Farrar goes to bat for a guy, I pay attention. And Doug Farrar has gone to bat for this kid. And I get it. He understands this game. PFF says that he has instincts. I think it's more than that. Yes, there's an NFL bloodline. But he watches and breaks down film like like few do in the college game. He understands concepts. He sees them before the quarterback sees them. He breaks on throws before the quarterback's ready to throw them. That's how you get the kind of interception numbers 
that he's gotten. At free safeties alone, he had the second most interceptions at four and allowed just one first down. He was responsible for just 138 yards on 401 coverage snaps. That's impressive. And so I'd be fine with him at 23. As we get into day two, the guys to keep an eye on, I think, are Geno Stone from Iowa, Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar. I think those are sort of the three sort of day two second round guys that I think they would have in mind. If you want to get deeper into this class, perhaps, after those three, a name to watch is the Clemson kids. Not Isaiah Simmons, Kevon Wallace, his change of direction, a 6.763 cone. I think that certainly merits some interest. And Tanner Muse. Isaiah Simmons is getting most of the attention, but they rolled with a lot of three safety looks at times. And Muse does some of what Isaiah Simmons does, but does it much more under the radar. He's got that ability to play down in the box as a linebacker. Maybe he is a linebacker in the NFL. He's somebody that played down in the box extremely well. But also keep this in mind. On his 401 coverage snaps inside the box, he allowed just 184 yards and 11 combined first downs and touchdowns while combining for eight interceptions and forced incompletions. That's pretty impressive. Like you could see him as your Patrick Chun replacement. Now, Wallace, maybe he's more an ideal slot corner. That's kind of where PFF has him. But I, I think he's just a football player. I think he's a matchup player. I think he's somebody that you can put in the slot at, at times. You could play him single high at times. You can play him double high at times. He had 63 snaps at free safety, 208 in the box, 396 in the slot. It's a matchup game, and they can move him around and do different things with him. And so those are some of the safeties I'll be watching as we get into the draft. I threw a lot of names at you. There will be more names to come over the next couple of days and weeks because we've got the actual draft next week. Next time you hear from me will be show 99, our final mock draft Monday before the NFL draft. We will have the listener first round mock in the first half of the show, then your mocks in the second half of the show. So get those in as well. Until then, friends, be safe. Take care of your loved ones. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your family members. Wash those hands. And as you do, sing along and bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.